Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, August 28th, 2023, the Feast of St. Augustine. St. Augustine was born in 354 in November. He was born in Thagast, which, you know, they're in Africa. His conversion and writings were of significant importance, including his famous work of the Confessions. He was known to have lived a dissolute life of immorality. And by a largely by the influence of St. Ambrose, he was influenced to become Catholic and reject his former life. In fact, it was by, via two great saints, St. Ambrose and his mother, St. Monica, that he was then brought to the Holy Catholic religion. He was able to reject his past life and embrace the fullness of the Catholic faith, which, you know, is very interesting because there's a common saying that the only people who are that make history are not are unbehaved people as they make this most commonly with a, the feminist movement saying oh yeah the only women who make history are women who are not well behaved and they say that and it's absurd because it is by the conversion of people if saint augustine had never become catholic i guarantee you we never would know who he was today he received this inner voice that told him tole et lege take and read and he opened up the Holy Scriptures, and open it up to a page saying that his former life was to be rejected. It was via his conversation with his mother that strengthened him and his courage to be able to fight against the Manichaeans and other heresies that he fought against for the rest of his life. He then would say his mother's funeral and go off to become bishop. One of his most significant works was the City of God, which he writes against the city of the devil talks about how God and the devil are at war with one another, except he's writing it exactly against the Manichaean heresy, which says that the devil is on par with God. Whereas St. Augustine recognizes that it all belongs to God and the devil is just a, a yiping little chihuahua trying to nip at the heels mm. of God. And you know how that works out for chihuahuas uh, most of the time. So St. Augustine writes this masterpiece of work, which I found out, which I did not know, that Emperor Charlemagne himself had this book and had it read to him out loud consistently, and it became the model of Christendom. So I've now kind of convicted to that. I need to pick it up and read it in its entirety. Now, his legacy here is something that we should all pray for, that we should have pray to have the courage and the confidence to fight against the heresies of our day and recognize that just like in his day, the fall of the Roman Empire, the fall of civilization, this gives us an opportunity to build Christian civilization. So let's not lose hope and become despondent in the face of adversity, but instead have the faith and courage and the joy to recognize we have the opportunity to build Christian civilization again. St. Augustine, pray, pray for us. Happy Monday to you. Joining us right now, Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Buenos dias, Adrian. Uh, welcome back to uh, Catholic Drive Time. I'm sure you know how to speak Spanish by now. Right, right. Being in Spain for so long, I just basically, <laughs> I just, I learned it through osmosis. Uh, no, <laughs> praise be to God. No, I, this is the first time I've been in Houston in, um, yeah, three weeks almost. A couple of weeks. So. It's crazy. Yeah, it's very good to have you back. It's Welcome good to be to the back. New studio. I, I walk in, everything changed. Yeah, I, I'm gone for a couple <laughs> weeks, and y'all just like get rid of the table, or move me around, 
bring in new cameras. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? Praise be to God. Yeah, but praise be to God. It's good to be back in Houston. It's good to be home. Uh, I love to be here. Uh, but ha- did anything interesting happen while I was gone? Well, other than uh, switching out the, uh, the entire the studio, studio. <laughs> and uh, putting new equipment and all that stuff. Uh, well, not 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 much. You know, Houston has remained the same. Thanks it's be still to God. hot. It's still, still humid. hot. <laughs> there you go. There's this uh, dome of heat that they say is around us. Uh, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's uh, controlled weather. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's very hot and uh, probably the same as Spain, right? Oh my goodness! I have to talk to you about uh, my trip to through Europe. I went to see Fatima, and then went to Sarasota, see Our Lady the Pillar. It was beautiful. Then I went to to go to Lourdes, and mm. I got to say, all three of those places better weather than Houston. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. And so, what praise be to God? It was a blessing. I was. Um, I'm very glad to be back, though. You know, as much as I love Europe, it, one thing that really struck me is. The, the fact that Europe has this great history of Christendom and these absolutely magnificent cathedrals, castles, walls, all these things that just exude the faith, the people don't care at hmm. all. At all. You see people walking by the Basilica of Our Lady of the Pillar and they're dressed in completely immoral clothing, walking by as if it's like, whatever, no big deal. It's like they're walking by a McDonald's. And it's it's heartbreaking, and you, it, it's almost as if, and obviously I didn't get a chance to meet all the uh, the good Catholics. I'm sure they're good Catholics all over Europe, uh, but in, in terms of your average person, it's just as bad, or if not worse, than America. So it's kind of good to be back. I'm I think America has a lot more potential after seeing everything going on. I think it has a lot of potential. But coming up on the show this morning at 15 past the hour, the rock band Queen has been canceled. Um, why is that? And is that actually a bad thing? Uh, so we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Mr. Horvat joins us. We're going to be talking about the Synod on Synodality. Very concerning situation. He's going to be he's doing a book tour across the United States. And today he's going to be in Houston. Tomorrow he'll be in Dallas. So if you're in the Dallas area, uh, let us know. We would love to make sure that you are going to be uh, able to attend that event. Now, coming up in the next hour, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show, as is our custom. We're going to be giving away prizes. In fact, I think this week we're probably going to be giving away uh, the book on the Synod on Synodality this week. Uh, so make sure that you tune in. It's going to be a blessing. But let's begin with prayer, as is our custom. Uh, today, in a special way, I pray for my father, because today is his birthday. I think he's turning, he's may, he may just like kill me after I say this. I think he's turning 50. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he might be 49, but I think, I think he's turning 50. Uh, so prayers for my father. Uh, prayers for my grandfather. He's uh, going through um, cancer treatment at the moment. So in a couple of days, he'll be going through a, a lot of cancer treatment. So prayers for him. Uh, prayers for whatever it is going on in your life. Prayers for uh, the salvation of souls, liberty, and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. For our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those who have promised to pray for. And in a special, pro- a special way, we pray for those in Hawaii who are uh, suffering from the situation going on in the in the with the Maui fires, so we pray for that as well. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, Amen. O Immaculata, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Refuge of Sinners, and our most loving Mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have, holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body of my whole life and death and eternity, whatever most pleases you. 
If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve wholly to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us from the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee and for those who do not have recourse to thee, especially for the Freemasons and those most committed to thy care. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are today's breaking news and stories. The Daily Wire reports Texas mom refuses to sign NDA to visit her child's public school, a complaint claims. Amber Longacre, who was asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement after attempting to visit Kitty Hawk Middle School, what kind of name is that, by the way, which she refused to do according to a complaint. Her complaint raised awareness of the school's seeming refusal to follow Texas's laws, encouraging parents to actively participate in creating and implementing educational programs for their children. After seeking legal action, the school backed down and removed the NDA process to visit the school. Praise be to God. Fortune reports six new nations are set to join BRICS. As the G7's political counterweight grows, is the dollar at risk to a new rival? Well, that's an interesting question. Maybe we'll talk about this in detail. BRICS aims to counter Western dominance and uh, create a more multipolar world. However, there are doubts about whether the group can effectively challenge the Western-led world uh, world order due to deferring priorities and a lack of trust among its members. Composed of emerging economies, BRICS consists of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and is expanding its membership for the first time since 2010. Saudi Arabia, Iran, Egypt, Argentina, Ethiopia, and the UAE will join starting January 1, 2023. And the Gateway Pundit reports California Church fined $1.2 million for defying COVID lockdowns and sues the government for spying on worshipers. During the COVID lockdowns, Calvary Chapel in California was fined $1.2 million for its members defying restrictions on large gatherings. They have now filed a lawsuit against the government for spying on its congregants using mapping software to track Christians coming to their premises. They say, quote, this type of expansive geofencing operation is not only an invasion of privacy, but represents a terrifying precedent if allowed to go unaddressed. As it stands, the defendants are effectively arguing that as long as they call it research, any level of government can target or spy any individual or group at any time for any duration. And if they so choose, they can wield the collected data against said individuals or groups who oppose their orders. This is not just un-American. But it's downright Orwellian, they say. By the way, uh, geofencing is what they use to uh, push advertisements to your phone. So they're using that technology to spy on you. Now, there's more breaking stories uh, left to cover. Please make sure to stay on uh, Catholic Drive Time, where I will tell you in the next segment about some bishops giving away some of their grounds for uh, a return to nature. Stay tuned for that. Back to you, Adrian. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 through 22. Now, in this passage, they, our Lord here comes after the Pharisees and scribes, calling them hypocrites. Now, the question is, why? He's in verse 13, he says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven against men. For you yourselves do not enter in, and those that are going in, you suffer not to enter. 
Now, what is our Lord here saying? Well, St. Basil, he lays down a hammer blow. He says that the word woe here is referencing an intolerable pain and applies to those who are soon to afterward be destroyed by dreadful punishment. The word woe, therefore, presupposes a deadly fault and threatens the punishment of hell. This is something that we have to keep in mind for those who claim that hell is not real. Well, St. Basil would disagree with you. Now, I think that's very important to keep in mind, especially since the kingdom of heaven, according to Chrysostom, is holy scriptures. The door is understanding of scriptures, and Christ is the bearer of the keys. Now, the bearer of the keys during this time were the scribes and the priest. And the scribes and the priest, however, were not opening the door to Christ because our Lord says that he is the door. He says, for I am the door because by me alone, there is entrance into heaven. And yet what do the scribes and the Pharisees do? Instead of opening the door and showing people that all of scripture is pointing to Christ, they instead, because of their wicked doctrines and their evil example, would instead calumniate and persecute our Lord. And so what do they do? They shut the door to the kingdom of heaven, to the Jews and to themselves, and woe to them, therefore. Now, the Syriac here translates it as, ye are about to receive the extremest judgment, both because ye rob from widows, and because, as Christum says, ye paint avarice the color of religion, that iniquity may be loved, being esteemed as piety. This is very important to keep in mind, because what is one of the greatest crimes that someone can commit. One of the sins that cry to heaven for vengeance is the abuse of widows and orphans. And yet our Lord says in verse 14, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour the houses of widows, praying long prayers for this, you shall receive the greater judgment. Now this one, this verse here, I think is very relevant to our times. He says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you go round about the sea and land to make run proselyte and when he is made you make him the child of hell twofold more than yourselves let me ask you is this what our bishops are doing today is this what our priests are doing today what is a proselyte now that is someone like a neophyte someone who is trying to become catholic and assigned someone who's trying to join the jewish faith in this particular instance and so what is our lord saying he's saying you jews and pharisees you scribes are going around trying to make converts but then when they convert what do you do you make them children of hell because you do not give them the truth of the gospel because you do not give them the whole faith. Now, how many people do that today? How many people convert to the Catholic faith and are never given the whole doctrine? Woe to you, is what our Lord says. All this and hell, well, perhaps we should preach the gospel. When we come back, did you hear a queen got canceled? Is that a bad thing? We'll talk about that coming up next. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio, I always say. Now, I was told, um, you know, Adrian, you say there's so many concerning stories too much. Stop using the word concerning. Well, <laughs> I have some actually good news to share with you. So here's the good news. The rock band Queen has been canceled. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, was, I saw that and I and it was very confused as why... It was being reported by a bunch of conservative outlets as bad news. Hmm. And I was thinking, why does everybody just want to jump on the bandwagon as if canceling things is always wrong? And so I was like, okay, let's look into the story. And sure enough, I found from the Washington Post of all places, which, you know, democracy dies in darkness. These uh, these 
bastions of democracy, the Washington Post, they actually had a great article on this past on this uh, this story saying that yes, of course this thing was was banned because it was banned from a an app I suppose called Yodo, which is a screening app for children, hmm. and so it's music for kids. And they had a Queen's Greatest Hits, and they removed the one particular song, Fat Bottom Girls, which, honestly, I don't listen to Queen, so I don't actually know this song. I do know some of their more popular ones, because, I mean, how could you not? It's just everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Um, but some of the lines in the song is, quote, Naughty Nanny, Big Fat Fanny, Fat Bottom Girls, Making the Rocking World Go Round. Like, this is obviously inappropriate for children. Wow. And so it was banned from this app from kids and many people including Senator Ted Cruz came out criticizing this saying, "quote, they're trying to cancel Queen? Idiotic." End quote. So, the reality is the problem with this whole thing is that they're allowing Queen on the platform at all because they're still allowing other of Queen's songs. For instance, what song is allowed on there? Bohemian Rhapsody. Mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head, pulled my trigger, now he's dead. That's allowed on a kid's platform? Kids are allowed to listen to that? And Fat Bottom Girls is not? I'm, I'm confused of what the standard is. Like, I'm glad Fat Bottom Girls is not allowed on this. Like, praise be to God. That's good job. Thumbs up. But we will rock you. We are the champions. Bohemian Rhapsody. Are these really better for kids? Or what's the standard that we're going by here? So it was very interesting that that happened. And just to give context too, you know, this this Yodo player, uh, it, br it brings me back to when I was a kid. We used to have these little devices. Uh, you would plug it into this little little player, almost like a little SIM card, and you'd plug it in there, and it would play a music. You know, maybe thirty seconds of a song. But uh, yeah, that's the same concept. You take these cards into this Yodo player, and it just plays the music. Mm. But uh, absolutely not. Uh, you know, it's just not something that I would I would give my kids to listen to. You know, especially <clears throat> pop music these days. You never know what they're talking about. Well, you say pop music these days, but pop I mean, music generally, anytime, any generally, it's, it's all garbage. <laughs> it's like uh, if yeah. you just took these words and you just like took them out of Queen and you just dropped it into I don't know Cardi B or. Uh, whoever is popular right now, and you had them sing those songs in their style, you would have people of the age of 40, 50, 60 years old being like, these kids these days, and they're garbage music. Look at these <laughs> music. It's so bad. But then you have Queen sing it, and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's a classic. Oh, my goodness. I love it. And I get so much hate coming after rock music, and people of the older vintage will always come after me for talking about this. And I'm saying, look, if this music was sung, by modernist or modern rather uh, singers, you would be against it. You are the same people who come after young people and complain about young people and their music and their practices. And yet, this where do you think this came from? This music came from rock, from and this is something no one wants to hear from jazz, from all this music. It originates there and it trickles down to today. And it's not simply the words, because then you have people claiming you can have Christian rock and Christian rap and these kind of things. And, and we had our friend Fonzie on, who is a Catholic hip-hop artist, and I, and I just disagree with him. I just disagree. I think that having this kind of hip-hop, having this kind of rock and rap music, but Christianized, because it's not simply the lyrics. It's also the music itself. It, is, it incites the lower passions, and it 
subordinates the will to the passions. And that's a very, very concerning situation. So I'm glad that Queen's, one of Queen's songs has been canceled. Uh, let's move forward and cancel more of Queen. There's the. I'm just going to be controversial here. Okay, go ahead. Queen isn't that good. <laughs> I mean, just generally speaking, you know, even if I wasn't against what they were about, I just don't think they're very good. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. There you go. See that that might get us uh, get us in more trouble than anything else. <laughs> we're gonna get emails for that. Yeah, one. <laughs> for sure. I'm gonna. I'm already getting the. It's already flooding in. I can feel it. I can feel it. So here's another story that I think is something we should keep an eye on because I th- I believe they're testing the waters. The CDC came out saying that the vaccines and natural immunity are not effective for the new COVID variants that are coming out right now. And I think that's very, very interesting. So they're saying, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Those things worked in the past, but this new variant, none of the things that we've already done works. So we're gonna have to roll out new lockdowns, new vaccines. Um, Many people were also reporting that they're, they're recommending you not get the booster until later because they got to have to get the booster corrected for the new variants that are coming out. And so BA286, quote, may be more capable of causing infection in people who have previously had COVID-19 or have been receiving the COVID-19 vaccines. Hmm. Very interesting. So if you've had COVID or if you've had the vaccine, you're going to need more vaccines because the new COVID infection is more infectious if you have those two things, which literally just encompasses the entire population of the world. So I'm pretty sure everyone's had it, which is concerning because LifeSite News reports that two districts in Kentucky and one in Texas, what's the point of me living in Texas if it's going to just be California? Why don't I just move to California? Better weather. Um, (laughs) So two school districts in Kentucky and one in Texas announced last week that they were postponing classes because of a rise in coronavirus infections among both staff and students. There was also a university that had put in mask mandates. There was another, some other companies that were talking about um, two weeks to slow the spread. And I, well, they said 14 days. They didn't want to say two weeks to slow the spread because, you know, that would be bad propaganda right there. But what's happening? I believe what they're doing is they're testing the waters to see will people comply again? They're trickling it out in little spots around the United States just to kind of test the waters, see how will the population react to this. And if people do not stand up against this, they're going to roll out new lockdowns. And I think it's very convenient that COVID is corresponding with the presidential elections. I think it's interesting. Yet again. Yet again. Let me ask you this, Adrian. All right, go ahead. Do you think people are going to go with it again? I think not. What's your, what's your analysis? I don't know. I don't know. I think they have to be really scared. I hope against hope that people will not cave into this. But a lot of people get scared. They, they, they don't. They're afraid of losing their lives. Their lives are the only thing that matters. And so if it's propagandized enough, I think people will lock down again. Hmm. I, I hope not. I know, I think in certain states, there will be more resistance than others. Like, I think a lot of the conservative states have basically already tooted their horn the first time. It was like, yeah, look, we only locked down for seven months, not a year. And so they're, <laughs> they're all happy about them not locking down for so long. So I think that among some places that people will rise up and be like, no way, Jose. Uh, but I think in other places, I, there's still places where people are wearing masks now. And mm. people are still acting as if 
these things are killing people still. There was an article recently out of, I can't remember who put it out. It was talking about how this woman wanted to see Barbie. And so she was renting out the whole theater in order to have a group of people who were still COVID afraid. So everybody was that was coming were had to be wearing a mask, had to be vaccinated, and they had to have space in between the seats. And that was, this is like, what, three years in? And people are still doing this? And there was another story that came out not too long ago about a woman and a man who were, um, she was divorcing her husband because her husband decided that he wanted to stop wearing a mask mm. at home. Wow. In 2023. That That's... means he was already, he was still doing it for three years. And then he finally was like, look, honey, can we like at least stop wearing the mask at our house? And she was like, <laughs> all right, um, divorce. My love, I haven't seen your face in three years. <laughs> I've forgotten what you look like. <laughs> please, <laughs> please. I need this. You know, Adrian, it reminds me, uh, one of the things that really flipped me on the scale, because in the beginning, I was really afraid also, just like anybody was. I mean, if you paid attention to any of the media outlets, they were telling you it was the end of the world. And of course, you know, people were never experienced anything like that in our lifetime. And so I, I thought for myself, I said, well, you know, maybe, maybe I should isolate myself from everybody. But the one thing that got me is I was thinking about how long we would be having to wear these masks. Mm. It became impossible to do anything. You could go to the store, you could go anywhere, and they would not let you, they wouldn't even let you purchase anything unless you had a mask on. And I thought to myself, am I going to do this for the, the rest of my life? Is, is this virus so bad? Is, is my immune system, which God gave me, so imperfect to this virus that I'm going to have to wear a mask for the rest of my life? No, I cannot do that. I'm not going to isolate myself from the rest of my family, from my friends, for the entirety of my, the rest of my life because I'm afraid of some virus. And I, I, I wish people would come to that conclusion a little bit sooner. You know, I, I wish that people who were still afraid would, would come to that conclusion and understand you are isolating yourself and, and making your life almost impossible because you're afraid of a virus that your body is perfectly capable of handling. Yeah, and I'm not saying that nobody will die, I'm sure. I mean, people die well, from the flu every year. Absolutely. So, of course, of course, that's going to happen. Um, but the question is, is it worth shutting down our economy, destroying our lives, isolating people, and allowing for corruption in our voting system? All these things, are all these things worth it? Um, because, yeah, people will die. People die every single day from colds and flus. And yet we don't do this. So just keep that in mind. Keep your eyes peeled because this is what's coming. They're testing the waters and we have to speak out. It's not enough that we resist, but we have to speak out because they have to know we will not take it. And our last story, if we have a couple more minutes before we go to a break, is here. L.A. City Council voted to officially become a sanctuary city in the sanctuary state of California a little over two months ago. Two months later... Texas Governor Abbott sends some busloads of uh, immigrants to L.A. because, you know, they're a sanctuary city. They, they want the immigrants there, right? And then, hmm, what happens? Well, the mayor of L.A. comes out and says, L.A. has not extended an invitation asking for people to come. This is a political act. They said they do not want all these people. And I'm surprised because they just said that they are a sanctuary city. Isn't it strange how they are able to come out and say these things when they think that no immigrants are coming to their city? And so, of course, we love people. We want to take care of people. We want to give the utmost charity to people. But our economy can't handle it. 
Uh, have you seen the Texas border? Have you seen the Texas towns that are nearby? They're small towns. 20,000 people would be a large city on the border. With the exception of El Paso and the exception of some, a few others, they're being flooded with millions of people. And you think their economy can take it? And once, once LA, New York, and all these other sanctuary cities and sanctuary states realize this, and they start getting a couple hundred, they're like blown away. Like, I, we can't afford this. So maybe we'll talk more about the immigration question tomorrow. But coming up next, Mr. Horvat is joining us talking about the Synod on Synodality. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. I'm keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Maria Carlos, and here are more breaking news and stories for you. Catholic News Agency reports Ireland's bishops decide to return 30% of churches' grounds to nature by 2030. According to the bishops, they mean to give away green areas around each parish, which is usually a public space and an apparent implementation of the encyclical Laudato Si. The origin of this initiative, according to Bishop Martin Hayes, Episcopal Coordinator for the Laudato Si Working Group of the Irish Bishops' Conference, stems from a COP15 gathering in December 2022 in Montreal, where participants agreed to return 30% of land and sea to nature by 2030. This is a UN conference on biodiversity. Breitbart reports Wagner warlord Prigozhin confirmed dead in plane crash with genetic testing, Russian investigators say. The death of Prigozhin, who was once a leading force in Russia's war effort against Ukraine before turning his ire against the Kremlin and launching a believed coup against Vladimir Putin's government in June, has sparked widespread speculation over his potential, or rather potential foul play, in the downing of the jet. The investigative committee also confirmed that Dmitry Utkin, a co-founder of the paramilitary group and a top lieutenant of Wagner, Valery Chelikov, also died in the crash. In Catholic Vote reports, Senate bill targets Supreme Court justices. Senate Democrats, led by Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, have introduced a bill by which Supreme Court justices could be disqualified or otherwise punished based on a yet-to-be-crafted fluid code of conduct. The Supreme Court Ethics, Recusal, and Transparency Act of 2023 would also require the court to establish procedures for anyone who wishes to file ethics complaints against the justices. Those were all of your headline news this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now is Mr. John Horvat. He is the spokesman for the book Synod on Synodality, 100 Questions and Answers. Uh, we're talking about the Synod on Synodality. It is a very concerning situation happening in the church today. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. Horvat. Morning. Great to be back on the show. Yes, it's really good to have you on. It's good to have you on in person. It's pretty yes. awesome that you're able yeah, to come to the Houston time. area. That's great, yeah. Amen, amen. Now, the situation uh, with the Synod, initially, whenever this book was announced, mm -hmm. it got a lot of um, of media play. Yes, yes. I was very surprised to see, at first, when I saw the articles after articles about the Cardinal Burke statement and things like that, I didn't realize it was because of this book. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about the initial kind of uh, response that you've been getting from uh, people uh, just hearing about Cardinal Burke aspect of this. Right. Uh, the book is called uh, The Synodal Process. Um, is a at Pandora's Box, 100 questions, uh, questions and Answers. It was written by two uh, uh, tradition family property writers, um, Jose Antonio Oreta and uh, Julio Laredo, I think one or another has been on the show. Yes, before. both of them have been, been on, on the show yes, before so. in the past. So they, they are very um, seasoned writers and uh, about the crisis inside the church. And uh, it, the, the uh, Cardinal Burke agreed to write the foreword for the book. So 
The book was essentially launched uh, last week, but on the 22nd. Um, Cardinal Burke was in, uh, you know, mentioned the book, and uh, he the the foreword was uh, highlighted a lot, and yeah, it got a lot of coverage everywhere everywhere it went. Uh, uh, it was on Breitbart. It was on um, it was on One Peter Five. It was on LifeSite News. It was on uh, America Magazine. <laughs> well, not necessarily positive. Positive, yeah. of course, of course. <laughs> and uh, National Catholic Reporter, National Catholic Register. Uh, yeah, it's it's really getting a lot of uh, a lot of publicity because uh, people are concerned about the 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 uh, Senate, and like all things, the uh, progressive and 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 uh, liberal and leftist, uh, it's very convoluted. So it's hard to understand what this whole Senate on Synodality is all about. And here you have you know a hundred questions and answers, you know, very easy to understand. You could you could pretty much get it in one one sitting. I've I've done I did it in one sitting. Uh, it's uh, like a catechism, you know. Well, what mm -hmm. is the synod? Yes, yeah, synod is this. Uh, what is what is synodality, etc. It, it gives. It's very basic, but at the same time, you really get a good idea of what's happening. So that's this this uh, this uh, small book, uh, 100 pages, and it makes it easy. It makes it easy to understand. Mr. Horvat, there's a lot of misconceptions as to what the synodal process is. I'm wondering, has there been anything in the history of the church that is similar to the synodal process that we're seeing? Right, uh, that's a good question, because uh, uh, a lot of people are highlighting the hot-button issues that are going to be discussed at the Synod of in October. Uh, Same-sex uh, same blessings, um, you know, women deacons, all the, all the big topics that everybody's talking about. But... The, the primary thing they're going to be discussing is the process, you know, they, and it's, it's a contradiction, it's, it's, it's sort of circular logic because you're having a synod on synodalities, a synod is a meeting, and so you're having a meeting about meetings, mm. <laughs> it doesn't, it's like having a banquet about, about meals or, uh, you know, a conversation about conversations, so, but that is the big thing, uh, the synodal process is a, um, a, a consultation, a listening uh, everything's listening in this in this little process, whereby we determine what the church thinks and believes, not through scripture and tradition, but through the listening process. And that listening process includes uh, faithful and unfaithful people, mm. non-faithful people who don't even have any faith. Well, are, it's are funny in this. because uh, they talks about um, Pope Francis and in 2015, I believe, he kind of updated the how the, the synodal process is working, mm. and when it's one of the comments he made is that it was going to be with a sense of the faithful, mm. and then they invite unfaithful people to participate in the synod. Mm. Um, how do they kind of square that round peg? Yeah. Well, they take the, the doctrine of the church, which is called the uh, census fidelium, Census fidelium is the idea that the uh, the church teaches doctrines and and clarifies doctrines, uh, and that is usually done actively by priests, theologians, and the pope. But it, the the the, uh, the laity also has a role, a passive role, which it calls the census fidelium, which is whereby the the faithful sense um, the the truth of something. They they sense the, that a certain doctrine or dogma is the truth. And they manifest enthusiasm for that truth. For example, the the um, the Declaration of the Dogma of the Immaculate Conception in, on December third, uh, December eighth, eighteen fifty four, had an enormous amount of people that were very enthused with it. They had conferences, they had talks, they had there were devotions, mm. and 
uh, curiously enough, American Catholics at that time were also very enthused with the idea of the Immaculate Conception and helped push that through. That was their role, you know, the census fidelium, that pushed that dogma to become a dogma of the, of, of the Holy Catholic Church. So um, that, that is the way the normally ha the, um, the process happens. What the synodal process does is there's no church teaching, no, teach, no church taught. It's all the people of God. When the people of God uh, hear, listen enough to, to, to what, the, what, the, what, the, what the Spirit is, is teaching, uh, and then they all agree it, it's infallible. The people mm. of God cannot err. So they, they take away the distinction between the church teaching and the, and the, and the, and the laity that is taught and, and make the discerning process uh, just a, whatever you're listening to, the, whatever the Spirit is saying. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's very, very concerning because if somebody tries to say, okay, if just what the majority says, well, then it democratizes the church yes. and the church is not a democracy, no matter mm -hmm. how uh, we Americans try to make it as such, <laughs> trying to <laughs> petition and, and vote people in. Um, it is the case that the church is, in fact, a monarchy for better or for worse, in some cases for worse, but um, it's the establishment that our Lord gave us and is the reflection of the right. heavenly hierarchy. Yeah, and they use the term inverted pyramid. Uh, that's the term they're using as, mm. as part of the synodal process, if we want to invert the pyramid. Yeah, that's very <laughs> that's not, not very good. Now, whenever I posted on Facebook about this book, and the one of the, the title of the book is, Is a Pandora's Box? Yes. A friend of mine, Father Richard Wall, actually made a comment about it. He said, the use of a Pandora's box sounds negative rather than reflective and <laughs> implying, I suppose, that we should just be reflective about the Synod and not be antagonistic against it. Uh, what would, how would you respond to this kind of comment? Well, I mean, the, the, were, uh, were the Pandora's box, this, the analogy is that Pandora looked in the box and the box, uh, because of her curiosity, let loose all sorts of miseries and problems that normally would have happened if you had kept the box closed. So, I mean, what we're saying is let's not open the box. Uh, we're not necessarily, uh, we are warning, but we're not, uh, we're not just, I think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very good analogy because uh, we are in a position now to, 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 uh, to take measures so that we don't open this box and we, we don't go down this, this very, very, very dangerous road. Right, because we have reason to believe that the results are going to be awful and the but obviously we don't know the future who knows maybe the holy spirit will come down from heaven and inspire the people there'll be mass conversion and all of a sudden <laughs> the sin will be great who knows it's uh, definitely possible but from what we can see with our eyes it certainly seems like it's going in a bad direction so we can know well, that box uh, it's likely that when you open it there's not going to be good things that come out of it so very very concerning. right and we have the example of the germans mm. in a way which is a prototype of this the German bishops' conference got together and said, "Well, we're going to do our own synod away before the whole thing happens." And mm -hmm. so they did it. They did it, and we see some of the results are very concerning. And I think that's an excellent place to go to a quick break. When we come back, let's pick up talking about the German synod away and how that informs us about what's could be coming next. All this coming up and more with Mr. Horvat coming up on Catholic Drive Time right after this. Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, despite the fact that there is just craziness going on in the world and that everything is just 
It's very, very turbulent. Turbulent. I, I think that it's an awesome opportunity to be a saint. Mm. Because, you know, many people live in times where there's nothing but peace. And whenever everything is peaceful and everything is hunky-dory, it becomes very, very hard to be heroic. It becomes very, very hard to be able to stand out and say, you know what? I am going to be a hero. But when things are crazy, whenever you have the Muslim hordes knocking on your door, well, then you have the opportunity to not just be a saint, but be a great saint. And I think that's a very much in keeping with our situation today. I was talking with some friends after church yesterday, and they were saying, yeah, I mean, we should be, we should be weeping over the death of Christendom. And I was telling them, I was like, why? Why weep whenever you can just be hopeful? You can be joyful and say, I have the opportunity to help resurrect Christendom. I have the opportunity to help fight to restore Christendom. And I think that that's really the mentality that we have to have. Um, and joining us to talk about this, especially with the synod, uh, synodal way, the synod on synodality, is Mr. John Horvath. Good morning to you, Mr. Horvath. Morning. Morning. Great. You know, the situation with the synod on synodality, it's been kind of prefigured by what we've seen in Germany. And everybody's been talking about the German synodal way. Mm. Uh, people will cite, they would like to cite and say, even Pope Francis has come out and said the synodal way in Germany is a little bit uh, going too fast. And so what say you about the German synodal way in its relation to the synodal synodality? Well, definitely the two are related. It's, uh, and, and one is, the, it is a type of, it is a prototype of what, uh, they're, what they might, might want to roll out. Uh, they have, the Germans have gone a long way. I mean, they have really got, uh, they have listened to the spirit and they've pretty seen we some We just don't things. know which spirit. Yes, yes. It's, <laughs> it's uh, they, it, throughout the whole synodal path and everything, the they always talk about the spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's, everything's the spirit. So the spirit is, is telling the Germans some pretty crazy things. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's the horrible thing about it. Like uh, women deacons, uh, same-sex blessings, uh, transgender ideology entering into the thing, uh, the Germans have asked the have asked the have asked Rome to reconsider celibacy. You know, these are the kind of things that the German synodal way has has taken place. German synodal way started in 2015. Uh, it's. Uh, one of the th one of the things that triggered it was the sexual abuse scandals. You know, saying, "Well, we need to think of a new way of being church," and so um, they have they've been on this path for a, quite a while, and they just fit, they wrapped it up last spring, and I think in April, March or April, and then they came to these conclusions about uh, women deacons and mm -hmm. same-sex blessings and transgender ideology. Now, one of the things that was very very hopeful about the German Synodal Way was the amount of backlash that they received. Uh, Cardinal Mueller, Cardinal Burke, Bishop Strickland, Bishop Vigano, mm. amongst many other prelates, priests, and uh, Catholic uh, commentators have come out against it. Um, have you? What did you see in terms of this? Yes, uh, it's one of the questions in the book. Uh, the the synodal path process is is a Pandora's box. Hundred questions and answers. Uh, question eighty three is asked about the the uh, bishops and and cardinals who protested against the the German synodal way and. Uh, let's see, we have Cardinals, Cardinals Orinzi, Burke, uh, Napier, Pell, Ruini, Zen. 103 pellets actually said something against wow. it. So, you know, it's not as if, you know, we're the only ones that are talking about it or against it. There's a lot, there's a, there is a lot of backlash. We wish there, were be, there was more. 
but it's simply, it is, it is uh, something that has caused a lot of concern among a Catholic faithful. Mr. Horvat, you know, something you mentioned just a few minutes ago is uh, this idea of listening to the Spirit. And it seems if we were to follow some of the logical conclusions of what's coming out of the German Synod is that they're listening to the spirit of the world. Mm. But there's also this, this misconception that, that we can still listen to the Holy Ghost and that there's going to be some new revelation here. I mean, is that something that... that uh, talk about that a little bit. Maybe, yes. maybe dispel that myth a little bit, that, that there's going to be this new revelation here through the Holy Ghost. Very much so. Uh, you have a good point, because uh, you'd think that if people are listening to the Spirit, some of the Spirit, some of the Spirit might get something right, you know, it's, and to <laughs> right. have some kind of tradition. So uh, the, the, the people who say you need to listen to the Spirit, it's a very Hegelian idea that the, the history is a process that moves forward and always moves forward. It cannot move back. So that's the, that's the big thing. It says, we, well, anything that moves back is not the Spirit. It has to go forward to a more egalitarian, more... Uh, more or less restrictive uh, type of church, or way of being of church. So, yeah, the, the spirit is, is the spirit of the times, is a Hegelian spirit, evolving spirit. Uh, it can contradict what happened before. It can contradict what happened before. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> insane because, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a contradiction in terms, right, to say that what we taught once mm. is no longer true, and in fact, the opposite is true. Right, exactly, and it's it's uh, that's part of it. I mean, it is very much a part of it, you know, and and they consider that infallible. You know, the the if the spirit says it, it's infallible. People agree. You know, the other thing is that that reminds me very much of um, an RCR and a revolution counter revolution yes. with Professor Plinio mm -hmm. when he talks about the revolution being like a bicycle going down a path, and if it slows down enough and it ends up standing still, it's mm. going to fall over. So it right. has to keep progressing. Right. Uh, tell me about that analogy a little bit. Yeah, it's a very good analogy. It is a very good analogy because um, revolutionaries, people who want to, to overthrow the present order of things, they, uh, they, they see it as a process and uh, it cannot stop. That's the thing. And, and if we slow it down or stop it, it, uh, it, it destroys the process. So this synodal process, process is a historic process. They, 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 it needs a certain dynamism for it to go ahead. And, um, and uh, this is a revolution inside the church. Uh, Cardinal Burke, in the foreword, he calls the synodal path a revolution. Mm -hmm. And several others have also called it a revolution. So it is a, a very important thing. And that reminds me of a question that was asked of Pope Francis uh, fairly recently. He was asked about a possible Vatican III. Mm. And his response was very telling. He said that Vatican II had not been implemented yet. Yes. And it very much sounded to me similar to um, people who <laughs> say things like, um, well, we, we haven't tried true communism yet. Yeah, and this time, right. this time we'll get we'll it right. Get it right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, this synodal process uh, was uh, a Vatican II initiative. Uh, Synods, they, the synods before the, Vatic, the Second Vatican Council were uh, bodies of bishops that got together and talked about certain issues. They, they had a certain deliberative uh, function. Uh, when, when Paul VI instituted, they said, he said, no, we need, we need more and more synods. I've, I think it's, I'm not sure which, how many synods we've had up to this point. I think it's 20 or 30. But uh, it is a consultative process. And 
the idea is, even in the Second Vatican Council, was to make the synodal, a synod a uh, permanent institution of the church, and it would be like a, a legislative body like the uh, par parliament or congress. Yeah, that is very much contrary to what we've been doing in the church for 2,000 years, right. and it seems to be, I mean, it's very concerning to see this kind of complete 180 of the governance of the church. It mm. seems almost almost impossible that these things happen. Now, one thing that people have been saying, and I've heard this argument from good faithful Catholics, mm. they they want to believe that things are okay in the church. Mm. They want to believe this, and they'll point to Humane Vitae. They'll say, look, at Humane Vitae, the synod got together and they kind of promoted to make contraception perfectly fine, to say, yeah, we love contraception. Mm. And yet the Pope, because he was inspired by the Holy Ghost, because of the promise of our Lord, well, he came out and he rejected the commission and he put out Humane Vitae, mm. affirming the church's teaching on contraception. So this is what will happen here as well. Uh, what say you? No, not necessarily. <laughs> it's... Uh the synodal process uh, takes this much farther, and um, uh, as um, I mentioned before, it includes people who are not uh, part of the church. Uh, you know, we're consulting, we're listening to people who have no faith, atheists, uh, people who support lifestyles, uh, sexually immoral lifestyles, and uh, so yeah, it is. In this sense, I, I think it's 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 very dangerous because we're we're not it, it's. It's not a glorified uh, parish council or you know people in the pews just talking among themselves saying, well, let's do something d different. Uh, this is getting a lot of people involved who are outside the church and putting them inside the church. Mm. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's absurd to mm. think that, uh, that one of the questions that was asked, I remember seeing this, was that they wanted to have fallen away Catholics mm. as commentators for the council. And I'm thinking, if... We want the faithful to talk about it. Why on earth are we asking the unfaithful? Yes. And I, I suppose an argument could be made. You might want to ask someone who left the church, why did you leave the church? Mm. I mean, that's a good thing to know, diagnose mm. the problem. Are they leaving because of something legitimate or are they leaving because they reject the truth? Mm. Um, is there like, oh, you know, I'm upset about the, the sex abuse crisis. Where it's like, okay, well, that's a legitimate problem. Mm. That's not a reason to leave the church, mm. but it's a legitimate problem. We should address that issue. Right, yeah. And yeah, it, it is contradiction and it, it, it is very much a part of these type of revolutionary ideas. I remember back in the 90s, the business world had, a, had this idea of uh, saying, well, you need to employ the rebels, you know, employ people who hate everything you stand for because those are the ones who will break the mold and will bring innovation to business. And that was a fad that lasted about five years and then it didn't, obviously it didn't work. But this is a, pretty much the idea. Say, so, well, you need to get people who, you know, don't believe in anything you stand for. They even hate what you stand for because they'll... They'll get you out of your comfort zone and and change the church in a, in, a, in, a, in a positive way. And, of course, that doesn't work. That kind of reminds me of uh, – we're running out of time here. But the in RCR, their question is basically asked that uh, – revolution, counter-revolution is asked, can we work with semi-counter-revolutionaries, people mm -hmm. who are kind of on our side or mm -hmm. people who you know might agree with us on one issue? Mm -hmm. How do we balance that whenever it comes to these kind of things? Because – 
I know a lot of people want us to want to rally behind uh, the, a lot of these Protestant churches who seem to be doing good things, and maybe some some Catholics who are who are nominal Catholics, but they're mm. really solid on a couple issues. Uh, how do we navigate that? I mean, of course, the church uh, we we uh, we have the truth, and we need to and we apply the truth to to the situations of of, of our society, uh, but um, always having in mind that. There are problems, and we need to de deal with those problems. We can collaborate with people on certain specific issues, and like abortion, like uh, all so many of the uh, the uh, more uh, sexual issues, transgender, and all these other issues. Uh, we can't get together and fight with those, uh, to fight against those, and it's it's good that we do so. But uh, to to think that we're uh, you know 100% on board with you know together with those people it's it's not reality and we have to have have be cautious because mm. it's not a it's not a, it's not the ideal situation yeah i know i know many times i've been on rosary rallies for um, against abortion and we invite protestants out and i always say that it's a mistake and sure enough 30 minutes in the protestants turn on the catholics <laughs> and they start yelling at us for worshiping mary yes. and it becomes a whole ordeal when we come back, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about some hopeful news, some hopeful topics when we come back. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there's just so many things that are just crazy. And I think that sometimes we have to focus in and recognize that just because things are crazy, uh, that it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It doesn't mean that that means we should give up. In fact, it means the opposite. And I want to have kind of more of a roundtable discussion about kind of the fight of being in the fight and not losing hope. Uh, Mr. Horvat, he's uh, here talking to us about the Synod on Synodality and the book that's coming out, The Synodal Process, uh, Pandora's Box, uh, 100 Questions and Answers. Um, good morning to you, Mr. Horvat. Morning. Great to be back on. You know, it's really interesting to me, this whole situation, because... You know, as as a member of the TFP, y'all are all over the world mm. fighting against all sorts of degenerate ideas, and y'all come in contact with it constantly. And yet, when I talk to TFP members, they're the most hopeful people I've ever met. They're always, they're never downtrodden. Um, Mr. Rex got slapped in the face recently, mm. Mm -hmm. and you talk to him, and he's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it happens. <laughs> you know, that's, it's okay. Yeah. And uh, so how on earth... Do you keep this hope despite the fact that you are literally getting spit upon, mm -hmm. slapped, rejected, mm -hmm. denounced? Mm -hmm. uh, how, what's what's the what's the secret? I mean, from a natural point of view, it, it would be hopeless. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we, we're out outgunned, out uh, just out everything, you know. So, but uh, from the supernatural point of view, I mean, the any type of apostolate, the soul of the apostolate of Don Chartard, it teaches that you know you have to have. Uh, the foundation is the faith, is the sacramental life, it is the, uh, the life of grace. And uh, that is what sustains, sustains us. Uh, grace is the uh, created, particip uh, created participation in the created life of Christ. And through grace, we are able to do things that beyond our human nature. And this requires us to do things beyond our, our human nature. Uh, God compensates with the grace and, and allows, gives us the... The grace enlightens the intellect so that we're able to think about things and come up with ideas. Uh, it strengthens the will. It tempers our sensibilities so that we, able, we are able to do things that uh, normally wouldn't be able to do. 
Now, there was a saint of the day that I was reading from uh, Professor Plinio, mm. which uh, was a saint I had never heard of, uh, Saint Emilian of Auten, and he was a bishop who mm. was going to fight in the Crusades, mm. and immediately they were like, wow, that's interesting, <laughs> a bishop fighting in the Crusades, <laughs> and he's going off to battle to fight the, the Muslims at Auten, to, and the Muslims were coming to attack them, and he cut off their path, and, and Saint Emilian, and his, his is from uh, Professor Plinio's commentary on it, he says... St. Emilian gathered a number of his subjects and said, Dear and brave companions, I congratulate you for your great faith. The number of combatants is not important. The victory comes from heaven. Then making a sign of the cross, he said, Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit and entered into the thick of the fight. He ends up dying, but mm. they end up winning the battle. Mm. Um, so what is the, this kind of example showing us in terms of our fight today? Well, definitely, yeah. He had complete confidence in, in Christ. Uh, he's definitely an, a medieval saint. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not a, a recent bishop, and uh, probably before the times where bishops were not uh, were they in the times when they were allowed to fight and you know not to get involved in in bloodshed and battle. So the, the, this was a time in the in the conversion of Europe and the, against the barbarians against the uh, the Islamic threat. But I mean, this this uh, is very typical of so many t- so many t- situations inside the church. We many times we are so outnumbered, and it seems all uh, hopeless. But God provides the victory. Uh, so many, it just it, he God is an all powerful God. Uh, we have to confide in Him, and He will give us what we need. Amen. Amen. You know, it also made me think. You know, it doesn't matter if. It's just me and a couple of my brothers out there fighting the good fight. Mm. Uh, God will, will provide the victory. And I may not survive. Mm. I may not survive to see the end of the war. I may not survive to see the end of the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? But I, you can have, still have confidence that despite what happens to me, mm. the battle goes on. And our Lord is ultimately the general. He's the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. And I, I, would, I would also emphasize that many times you all, you know, People think I am the only one. I'm the only one, and it's we are so few. Uh, but the revolutionary people out there like to c- convey that idea, and you'll be surprised how many people will come on board and will support you when you when you do stand up. And so it's it's not uh, it's not just a few. Many times it's you'll you'll be surprised at who comes on board when you when they see you stand up. Now it's also funny because one of the other things that's kind of um, very common among the TFP is is young people. Yes. And I think it's funny because there's this whole movement in the church today about how do we get the young people involved? Mm. Uh, why do young people not come to our events? Mm. And yet <laughs> I go to a, any TFP event mm. And it is probably the average age is, what, 15? <laughs> because everybody brings their young kids, yeah. and it brings the average way down. Right down and yes. uh, the average, you have a bunch of people in their 20s and their, and their late teens and their early teens, and the parents will bring their young children to these events. And it's, it's a lot of youth. Yes. And so whenever people ask, okay, what brings the young people into the church? Oh, what would you say? Oh, well, yeah, if, if young people are attracted by idealism. They you know, say, well, we want to change the world and, uh, and uh, activism and, and standing up for the faith, you know, because they are dynamic. Young people are dynamic. They, they are attracted by those things. So, sure, it's not by watering down the message. It's actually by pumping it up. 
Mr. Horvat, you know, to speak on that point also, I think kids just have this this overwhelming sense of justice too. Mm. You know, mm. as you get older, maybe it becomes a little more clouded, but children understand this. They, yeah. It's it's very clear cut. Yeah, the innocence because of their innocence. Yeah, it, it it defines things, and they're always they're full of wonder and also full of uh, desire to. Uh, to see things as they as they are, they have a very unblemished vision of of society. So when they, when they can't when they see the the church, the church is ideally suited for uh, feeding that innocence that mm. they should carry on for all their lives. You know. Now I want to drag Mr. Alvaro into the conversation. Wow. If he could uh, <laughs> grab that mic and uh, bring it to himself, I, there is one thing that I absolutely love about uh, Mr. Alvaro's ministry, and it's the music. Because that's something that has just, you know, as Catholics, we love, and it's human beings, we love music, and we want to hear music, and we don't always want to be listening to Gregorian chant. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, with, I love Gregorian chant probably more than most people, uh, but even I was, would like to listen to other things sometimes, and I found a great place of solace uh, at the TFP South um, YouTube channel listening to music that you produce there. Uh, tell me about that. Oh, well. Well, <clears throat> of course, uh, Gregorian chant is the uh, is the uh, the music of the church. Um, but of course, um, the church influences all kinds of of music has throughout history. Um, the Chivalry Songs uh, Chivalry Songbook is that which we publish on TFB South, our YouTube channel, and uh, I just wanted to um, kind of transmit <clears throat> within the TFP. There's there's kind of a lively development of, of things. A kind of an organic development so we've had so many uh musics and uh you know in that line many things have developed in the history of the tfp so of course you can't hide the the light under the bushel you got to uh spread that to as many people as possible so the the songs kind of convey the um the importance of chivalry um uh, you know how many times do we we mention how this world kind of stifles um this this idea of, of uh, let's say um, fighting for the faith, fighting for the faith, um, you know, and using all the legitimate um, how can you I know, say tools, or tools, yeah. So anyhow, the um, so the chivalry songbook, you know, we're a lot of them. The, the subject matter is Saint Louis the Ninth, um, the Crusades, uh, different saints, the Vendée, um, the heroes of of the uh, uh, Cristiada, the uh, <clears throat> of the, I, I wasn't too ready to. No, no, of course. Of course. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. One of the things that I really loved about uh, those is, you know, sometimes having those songs in your head. Because I mean, songs are catchy. I mean, that's why the heretics would create jingles to mm. pr to promulgate their heresies because those things get stuck in your head. And that becomes the way you think, becomes the way you believe, mm. and that becomes the way you act. And whenever I started getting these songs stuck in my head, I'd be doing just normal things. Like I'd go for a for a hike up a, a large mountain, and I'd be like mummering to myself, "Jesus, Mary, get me there! Jesus, <laughs> Mary, get me there!" Mm. And I got that from uh, your song mm. on the American Night about Colonel Ripley. And so these kind of things come up, or I'd be fighting for something, or I'd, I'd have been a moment of temptation. I'd be thinking of the song from the, the Vendée, um, the song of fidelity, where it's like, well, I fight for virtue this day. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So you, you get these kind of uh, lyrics, and with the tone and the music, will pop into your head whenever you hear these songs enough times. And that's the case with bad music. 
Mm. Exactly. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, we need to use all the tools at our disposal to fight the good fight. And music is is an important thing. I think we need to to take advantage of uh, to help encourage the virtue, help encourage the good fight. Um, <clears throat> because, as you said, yeah, the the devil always finds a way. You know, to bring bad music to our minds and you know the worst times and, and places. So. Uh, we need to counteract that. So. And what about the uh, the young boys and their reaction to this? Because I know a TFP has all these uh, boy camps and and called chivalry camps mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, I know I've heard the young men uh, be actually sing those songs mm-hmm. and they just oh, become yes. part of it. Um, what's kind of the reaction to them uh, hearing this kind of music? Oh, they they love it. It's it's a big contrast with the spirit of the world. So at the chivalry camps, you know, the boys, some of them, they, you know they'll take the little booklet we hand out and they learn each song. And some of them, you know, that's their first camp, but they know all the songs, you know? So that's the importance, I think, of this Chivalry Songbook on the uh, TFP South YouTube channel. Now, before we uh, run out of time, so definitely check out uh, TFP South, the YouTube channel. I think that that's one of my favorite YouTube channels. I go to it all the time and I actually share it with people all the time because it's just it's just good music and it's very inspiring music. And so I highly encourage you to check that out. But also, before we run out of time, I do want to mention, I forgot to mention the last segment, that uh, Mr. Horvat is doing a book tour and many places. Uh, I know in Dallas, they'll be there tomorrow. I don't know if you would like to share uh, some information about the uh, your presence in Dallas. Oh, well, do you know the venue? Uh, Coronado? Oh, no, in Dallas. Oh, I'm Dallas. sorry. I, that I don't know. So if okay, uh, you would like to, to find out information, where could people, if people will contact uh, somebody to find out more information about how to go, if you're going to be in Dallas tomorrow, I think today, I think it's a full house already um, in Houston. Well, it's still, I mean, I think you can still go. Yeah. It's going to be at the Coronado club at three, 7 six, PM. I believe today. 7 PM. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'll be there. My family will be there. So if mm-hmm. y'all would like to come, yeah, um, definitely show up. Yeah, it's, it, well, we'll have books available and we'll be talking about this, the, the, this subject of the Synodality. The, uh, the one in Dallas is in Arlington. Um, Yes, the <clears throat> Dallas-Fort Worth Women's Club of Fort Worth. And it's go. at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. We should have that. We, I, should <laughs> no have problem, that no my, I should have that right at the tip of my mm. tongue. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So uh, definitely we'll reach out. And if y'all would like to, if anyone would reach out to me, I'll find out the information. I'll send it to you. Uh, so if you send me an email, we'll go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, there, my email is listed and all the information about the show is listed and you can reach out to me and I'll be happy to share with you uh, what the information is. I highly recommend uh, going there because for two reasons. One, you get to, one, hear a great talk about so a very serious issue coming up in the church and how to respond to it. And two, you get connected with people who are mm. like-minded and that's no. almost a better thing that you get out of it because uh, like Mr. Horvath said a second ago, Sometimes we feel like we're alone, but we're not. Uh, people try to make us feel like they're silo us. They try to say, look, you're the only person that thinks this way. Mm-hmm. You're the crazy one. Um, but whenever you get together with like-minded people, you realize there are real people out there fighting the good fight, and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great blessing and yeah. probably one of the better things that come out of uh, these kind of meetings. Absolutely. Very good. So definitely check it out. There. What else? What other cities will we all be in? Well, we, we, we were in New Orleans, New Lafayette, uh, uh, Lafayette, uh, Louisiana, and we were yesterday we were in Beaumont. So 
yeah, today is Houston, Dallas, and then I go back. So okay, that's very my, good. That's very the good. tour. <laughs> awesome, wonderful, wonderful. So make sure if you're in the Dallas, Fort Worth area, or the greater Houston area, uh, you were able to come out. We'd love to have you. If you'd like to order more information, reach out to me, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, but we're going to go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. Uh, stick with us to 30 past the hour. I believe Mr. Horvath staying with us. We'll get into questions from the audience. So if you'd like to join us there. But for right now, call in right now, 877 That's the number to call to be a winner. We're giving away prizes, and you could be the winner. Just call 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes, and you could win. And it's really easy to win. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. You pick up the phone, you dial that number, and you could be a winner. Now, you may be asking, how do I play the game? How does this work exactly? It's very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions here in front of me. And here is the trick. I'm not going to ask you the questions. In fact, you don't need to know the answers at all because I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. That means even if you just guess, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting the question right. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Thanks be to God. This week, we are giving away a copy of the book, The Synodal Process, Pandora's Box. Now, it's 100 questions and answers on The Synodal Process. It's a wonderful book. We had a a conversation about this earlier in the show today, so you can go back and uh, take a look at that or listen to that on uh, GRN Online forward slash CDT. But we are giving away the book that we were talking about today, and it's going to answer all of your questions on the synodal process, which I'm sure you have a lot of questions about. So do call in one 757 9424 Amen. Amen. So thank you very much to the American Society for Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property for sponsoring the game show this week. Now, if you'd like to call in, that number, 877-757-9424, because I have good news for you. I'm looking over at the phone lines right now, and the good news is the next person to call in will, in fact, be the contestant, will be the person to have a chance to be a winner. That number, 877-757-9424, So make sure that you pick up the phone and dial that number right now. We would love to have you on. Um, that number, 877-757-9424. And if you're saying, Adrian, I'm driving. It's hard for me to get that number while we're driving. Well, make sure that you go to our website because our website always has that information listed. The way you get that information, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There, my email's listed. There, all the information about the game show is listed and our phone number. And you can always make sure you mark that phone number down and put it in your speed dial so that way you can always be the first contestant because we always take the first caller. So thank you to everybody who just called in. And if you're not the caller today, well, then make sure that you call in tomorrow. You can put us on your speed dial. And if you're not on today, you just call in early. In fact, you can call in as early as the 7 o'clock hour at the top of the 7 o'clock hour and wait on hold. And we'd love to have you because we always take the first caller. Now, 
uh, joining us right now. Let's see if we have that name up yet. I think Taylor is taking the call still, and we'll get to get that information uh, from our caller about who's joining us. Let me see if we can put them on air. Uh, good morning. Can you hear me? Pardon? Oh, good morning. There we go. There we go. Uh, could you turn your radio down a little bit? I can uh, hear myself in the background there. Um, who am I speaking with? Uh, Catherine Keen. Uh, Catherine. Good morning to you, Catherine. Well, thank you for yes. calling in. Where are you calling in from? Uh, Falls Church, Virginia. From Virginia. Virginia. Praise oh, be to God. Cool. Uh, we don't get too uh, many Where are calls. you all? We're uh, right here in the, the great state of Texas, in H-Town, oh, Houston, wow. Texas. Praise be to God. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's good, too. I didn't know. Yes, ma'am. It's, it's Guadalupe Radio? That's right. That's right. Guadalupe Radio Network, uh, radio for your soul. Now, Catherine, um, where are you off to this morning? Pardon? Uh, where are you off to this morning? I don't. I can't understand what you said. Well, I'm asking you uh, where you're going this morning. What's what's on the schedule for today? Oh, um, really? Nothing. I don't have anything to do in particular. Okay. Well, praise be to God. It's nice to have a nice, calm day, especially on a Monday morning. And uh, what yes. parish do you go to? What church in Virginia do you attend? Um, it's uh, the. What is it, Saint James? Saint James. There you go. There you go. I love Saint James. You know, there's a there's a great great saying. You know, God he had three beloved disciples. It was John, Peter, and James. To Peter he gave the church. To Uh John, whom he loved, he gave his blessed mother. And to Saint James, who he loved, he gave Spain. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. So there you go. Oh, that's all right. Now, Catherine, are you familiar with how the game works? Are you ready to play? No, I, I, did, I haven't. I just, ca- I just caught this st- uh, station today. Oh, well, praise be to God. Well, I'm glad you called in. It's good to have you on. Now, let me share with you how the game works. It's very simple, very straightforward. It's I have three Catholic trivia questions, and the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. I'm going to ask Rudy, our co-host here, I'm going to ask him the questions. He's going to give me an answer. Your job is to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. So that means even if you just guess right or wrong, you have a 50-50 chance of giving the question right. So are you ready to play? Yes, I am. All right, let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Rudy. All right, I'm ready, Adrian. You're ready? I am. Here it comes. This question, whew, we'll see, we'll see. The question on the board is, what does Alleluia mean in Hebrew? Hmm, let me remember. I guess in English. Hang on, let me just, let me just uh, think here, uh, critically mm-hmm. here. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, mm, uh, yes. Okay, in Hebrew, it means praise the Lord. It means praise the Lord, you say. Um, you know, it's interesting, the wording on that, it's, what does Alleluia mean in Hebrew? Wouldn't it be, what does Alleluia mean in English? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second. Like, okay. All right, Catherine, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what does Alleluia mean In Hebrew or in English, uh, Rudy says it means praise the Lord. Uh, What say you, Catherine, from Virginia, from St. James Church in Virginia? He is absolutely right. He is absolutely Absolutely right. right. Well, let's see if he is correct. And uh, we uh, apparently don't have sound effects working today. So uh, we're we're getting our new studio working up and running today. We're we're tuning uh, it in. Yeah, we're we're dialing it in. in. So we we just renovated our whole studio. So our sound effects are not working today. But you are, in fact, correct, Catherine. Uh, It is, in fact, praise the Lord. So very good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are correct. 
So very good to you, Catherine. Catherine, are you ready for question number two? Okay. All right. Now, I got to say, this this question, I really like this question because this particular answer is a one of my favorite saints. All right, Rudy, are you ready? Sure. Would you like me to do the sound effects? Uh, yeah. Can you make the sounds with ding, your mouth? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Go ahead. Ask the Excellent. question. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> you should have been a beatboxer. That's what um, it should have been. The question on the board is... Which Jesuit saint was a leader in the attempt to bring Catholicism to the Far East? It is an incredible story. Mm, tell me. He gets to the top. He gets it's to the top. snowing. Just snowing. imagine, wow. uh, you know, Roger Deakins. I'm, I'm picturing the it. I'm DP, picturing it in my mind. And there's snow falling. I'm seeing uh, it. I'm cut seeing to it. shot from behind. He's run ragged. Mm. And he sees the Far East and he just dies. Oof. That's Francis Xavier. Francis Xavier, you say. Yeah. All right, Catherine, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, which Jesuit saint was a leader in the attempt to bring the Catholicism to the Far East? Well, Rudy seems to think it's St. Francis Xavier. What say you, Catherine, from Virginia? I say he's correct. Again, you say he's correct. Well, let's check the board here. And he is, in fact, correct. Way (laughs) to go, Catherine. You uh-huh. are correct again. That's two for two. That's a 100% success rate so far. I'm very impressed. Now, my favorite story about Francis Xavier was that when he got there and he was in the snow, he saw a baby that was left out uh. in the cold to die. And he picks Uh-oh. up the baby. He baptizes the baby and the baby dies. And he uh. rejoices and says, this entire journey will be worth it for the salvation of this one soul. What a beautiful, Worth beautiful it. thing. Mm-hmm. Now, right. Catherine, are you ready for question number three? Yes. Now, I got to warn you. You got two for two so far, but this question could be the hardest question we've ever had on the history of the Fear and Trembling Game Show. Are you ready to play? Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> question number three for you, Rudy. Oh, the music. There's back. the music. Hey, there you go. Fan All fair. right. Question on the board. From which tribe of Israel were the servants and priests of the tabernacle chosen? Okay, so if you look back into the scriptures, mm-hmm. I'm looking. Who were the who were the artisans? The artisans. Who were the the artisans who put all the gilt gold on all uh-huh. of the tabernacle? Okay, it was the tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan. Yeah, tribe okay. of Dan. Okay, okay. Um, Dan, like Dan Snyder. I, um, Dan. No, Dan. Oh, Daniel. Okay. Oh, like Daniel. Dan? Okay, no, I, I see. I'm okay, I, I'm seeing. I'm seeing what you're saying. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right, Catherine, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, from which tribe of Israel were the servants and priests of the tabernacle chosen? 15 seconds on the cl- clock, Catherine. Uh, Rudy seems to think that it's the tribe of Dan. Uh, what's the you, Catherine? I believe he's correct. I believe he's correct again. Are you sure? I think so. All right. Well, let's see. Survey says. Oh, so close. He did, in I fact, trick you, you. He led you astray. They were artisans, though. They were artisans, though. Yes. Well, the, Levites, the Levites. It was the Levites mm. who were the priest of the tabernacle. Uh, but praise be to God, Catherine. You have two for three. That's a really good odds, I would say. So praise <laughs> be to God to you. That's a that's a great opportunity to win. Hey, that, that's new. There you go. <laughs> uh, praise be to God, Catherine. So make sure you stay on the line. We're going to put you on hold, and we're going to get your contact information. So if we draw your name out, then we're going to be able to send you the prize. Uh, but thank you very oh. much for being on the show this morning. Oh, certainly. Oh. I'm, I'm happy to be 
here, y'all. Praise be to God. We're happy you called in. Uh, and make sure you tune in to uh, Catholic Drive Time every morning. We'd love to have you uh, back on the show and to be a regular listener. But God bless you. God love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can stay with us and hop on our social media feeds, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, um, you can join us in the after show. And we're going to be talking with Mr. Horvat again. We'll field your questions. Whatever it is you want to talk about, leave a comment down below and we'll get to those comments coming up in the after show. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.